Romans chapter number 6. So we continue this series on new life in Christ. And this morning I've entitled our message, Newness of Life. Newness of Life, right, right out of Romans chapter number 6. And if you're here this morning, maybe for the first time, you're hearing this, but uh, I am beginning a brand new series on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The series on Sunday evening is, uh, will be entitled, uh, it, well, it's, it's basically a study of the entire book of Romans, and it's about our walk with the Lord in, out of the book of Romans. I'm looking forward to that, and tonight we're going to lay the groundwork. It's, it'll be a little bit of a different kind of message tonight. It's an, it's an overview of the structure of the book, and I think it'll be very helpful if you've never studied in depth the book of Romans tonight. We'll just help us to get that foundation for the, for the Sunday nights that will be coming, and we'll go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the book of Romans. I think it'll be a real help to us as Christians, as a church, and so if you want to join us, 6 o'clock on Sunday evenings, we'll be starting that this evening, all right? Romans chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 1, we'll read down through verse number 8. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your wonder-working power in our lives. Thank you that there is power in the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would bless your word this morning that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, today we ask that you would speak to us. May your Holy Spirit guide us and teach us. And Lord, may we be receptive, willing to do whatever it is that you would have us to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. You know, there's no doubt about this. I, I, maybe you're like I am, but I, I enjoy new things. But I'll tell you this, out of all the things I've ever had in my life that might be categorized as something new, nothing will even come close to comparing to the new life that Jesus gave me many years ago. It's been 35 years ago that I became a Christian. Uh, I wish I could say that I've grown the way that I should, and I wish I could say that I've gone through life without any problems or trials or temptations and things that I've had to deal with, but the reality is that's part of the Christian life. And I'm glad that when we get saved that our life begins 
at the moment of our salvation, new life in Christ. Paul is writing to us here in the book of Romans, and we see just this portion alone this morning reminds us about that matter of newness in life. Now, to illustrate this, I, I remember years ago, as a matter of fact, 2001, September the 11th, should be a date that rings in your ears because it was the day that our nation was attacked by militant Islamic extremists. Here's a picture, one picture of the city of New York as it was uh, being destroyed, a building, some buildings went down and of course a lot of things happened around those buildings but what was more important was what was inside those buildings because we can always build new buildings but it was the lives of people that mattered inside those buildings. I think we have one more picture here of some of the aftermath of the, the ruin of those buildings and the wreckage that was left behind, the smoldering ashes, and, of course, the thousands of lives that were lost that day that w when those towers began to fall and crumble, along with those towers crumbling were the hearts of, I believe, many Americans as well. These pictures, I think, they represent what now is a part of our national history. We remember this. This became something that became a part of the DNA of the United States of America. And I find that Americans, and New Yorkers in particular, they determined that when this happened, that this would not be the permanent identity of their city and our nation as a whole. What happened was, years later... They began to rebuild. Uh, they, we have a picture here of a memorial that was a place nearby, and you can see the fountains. Maybe some of you have been to this memorial where the water flows, and, and it, it's such a beautiful reminder. This national September 11th memorial is a tribute of remembrance and honoring the 2,977 people who lost their lives in those terrorist attacks. The enemies of America, they would love if we as a people would find our identity in these types of acts, in terror and in destruction. But that is exactly what they want to emphasize. And, and listen, the longer I live as a Christian, I realize that we all have an enemy, and the enemy is not some Islamic group. Our enemy is known as Satan, the devil himself. And the devil would love to for us to find our identity in the failures of the past rather than in the blessedness of the present. You know, it's easy to dwell on negative things and things that have happened in the past, but folks, listen, don't miss out on the blessings that God has for us right now as a child of God. God wants to bless our lives. God is blessing our lives today. And this morning, I want you with me from Romans chapter number 6, to discover our newness of life that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. As you look at this slide, maybe it's a reminder of the Apostle Paul's journeys that, that Paul took. And you see the area there, the, the land that surrounded what is known as the Mediterranean Sea. And although it may be hard for you to see in a lot of cities that are there, a lot of these remind us of Paul's journeys and many others as they traveled for the cause of Christ. They, they traveled to take the good news, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the areas that had never heard before. As you look at this map, today we focus on the book of Romans chapter 6, where Paul is on his 
third of those missionary journeys. Paul is writing, you can see the one arrow about in the center of the screen, where Paul is writing from the city of Corinth. And as Paul is writing this letter that we call the book of Romans, Paul is writing back to the believers. If you notice the arrow up in the top corner, notice there that is the city of Rome. That is where Paul is writing from Corinth to those that are in Rome. And as Paul is writing, he wanted them to realize, and God through his word today wants us in this series, New Life in Christ, he wants us to realize that our identity, like theirs, their identity was not found in the Roman Empire. It wasn't found in their past that was steeped in paganism. Their identity is now found in Jesus Christ. If you're saved today, listen, we all have a past. But can I tell you, when you got saved, you got new life in Christ. And this newness of life is what we want to talk about this morning from Romans chapter number 6. It begins with the exchange of the new life. And notice what it says here in Ephesians chapter 4 in your notes. That you put off concerning the former, notice conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put off Look, it put off concerning the former conversation, but you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, you notice there, there's an exchange. There's a putting off of the old life, the old nature, and there's putting on of the new life. Now, again, we see some, some differences here. Notice this putting off, putting on. How many of you remember the days of the horse-drawn carriages, right? That's how people got around. But notice that horsepower has changed now. And you find it under the hood of a car now. Aren't you glad that we don't have to buy oats and we don't have to pick up behind our transportation anymore, right? That we can just get behind the wheel and turn a key and drive. There's, there's the old and the new. How about this next slide? How about the old? How many of you remember the rotary phones, right? And, and those days that you would have to dial and wait for the dial to go back and then dial the next and wait for it to go back. And now we have phones that are smarter than us. It's amazing how smart these phones are nowadays. A lot of times I pick them up, I start to put something in them, and it pops up on the screen before I even finish it. And I'm like, that is one scary thing. But see, look, in our life in Christ, God says put off concerning the old man, the old nature, the old life, and he says, I want you to put on this matter of the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, as we think about the exchange of the new life, notice we have an exchange purpose. Look at verse 1 again of Romans chapter number 6, and look, notice the question here. He begins with a rhetorical question. You understand, rhetorical question doesn't mean that they're expecting an answer. And he says here in verse number 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound. Now, we all know that before we got saved, according to the Word of God, we were living in sin. Our lives were bent towards sin, but when Jesus came in, when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that, listen, there was an exchange that was made. How many of us are thankful this morning that, according to the Bible, God's grace abounds, right? 
And listen, when we think about the grace of God, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Folks, look, all of us are sinners, every last one of us. And we should be thankful that God's grace does abound. If we had to keep a, a list of all of our sins and we had to light candles for all the sins that we have committed and we had to be good enough to get to heaven, can I tell you that every one of us, we would never make it because of that, because without God's grace, we're sunk. I'm glad for the grace of God this morning. Some people, they begin, uh, they begin to live a life that is called a, a life without law, a lawless life. They do whatever they want to do, and here's what they do. They use grace as a license to sin. See, here's what's happened is they got saved. Praise the Lord, they did. Uh, they now have new life in Christ. But because they still want to do what they did before they got saved, what they'll do is they'll say, well, listen, they'll do something and they'll, they'll, say, they'll pull this out of their pocket and say, well, look, I've got a license. God's given me his grace. I can do this. I can say that. I can go there because the Bible says once saved, always saved. And they use grace as a license to sin, to do the things that they want to do in their flesh. Some people live that way. Paul says here, as you look at the word of God, the exchange of life is not so that we can go on living the old life. Notice again the question, shall we continue in sin? Look at verse number two, what does he say? God forbid. In other words, may it not be so among us. May we not just continue to live the life that we lived before we got saved. See, the exchange purpose in our lives now that we have newness of life is to turn away from the patterns of the past. We are to live a new purpose. What is that new purpose? It's that your life and my life, now that we are in Christ, that our lives would glorify God. See, may God get the glory out of our lives. You know why? Because we were dead in our sins. But God has given us new life. He has brought us to life. We who are dead in our trespasses and sins. See, the exchange purpose is to go away from the patterns of the past. We are to live a new purpose, one that glorifies God. Look at 1 Corinthians 10.31. Look at this verse. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, that pretty much sums up everything. Do all to the glory of God. It doesn't matter if you're eating, drinking, driving your car, whatever it may be. God says, everything you do, may God get the glory. It's kind of hard to be popping pills and God get the glory out of it. It's kind of hard to be a glutton when you eat and God gets the glory out of it. It's kind of hard for us to gossip and God gets the glory out of it. Do you understand what the Bible's saying? Shall we continue in sin? God forbid that we would do that. Why? Because we have new life in Christ. May God be glorified in our lives. God is saying here in Romans chapter number 6, I don't want you doing the stuff that does not honor me. Make sure that what you're doing brings honor to me. As Christians, yes, 
We have grace, and yes, we have liberty, but it is not so that we can do what we want to do. It is so that we can serve the Lord. God's given us his grace. Look at Titus chapter 2 in your notes. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now look at these words, teaching us. Here's what God's grace teaches us. That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Can I tell you this morning, listen, grace is not my license to sin. What God's grace is, is, listen, it's our teacher to help us to follow the Lord. I'm glad that there is great liberty to grace because think about this. You ever had a bad day as a Christian? You ever done something wrong in your life as a child of God? Certainly. None of us are perfect. We do things that we should not do. But aren't you glad for the grace of God? Because if it wasn't for God's grace, then what God would have to do is just throw us directly into hell. But the grace of God, the mercy of God, I'm glad I don't have to live under that thought process every day of my life. God's grace teaches us to go away from the old and go toward the new. That's what he is telling us here. This exchange purpose away from the patterns of the past. People a lot of times, and I see this and it really troubles me sometimes, especially because, I, listen, I know that America has her faults. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm proud to be an American. I still believe this is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. And I'll be honest with you, people who don't feel that way, I'll be more than happy to drive them to the airport to let them fly to some country that they think is better. But when I see somebody burning the flag of the United States, that's an abuse of grace. That's what that is. We need to understand that when we have new life in Christ, that first of all, there is an exchange of that purpose. And that purpose is away from the patterns of the past. But notice, secondly, we have an exchange perspective on this new life. Look back in verse number two in Romans chapter six. God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now notice the phrase there, dead to sin. Dead to sin means that sin no longer has control over me. See, that's the problem. The problem is many times in our lives, we get saved, but we allow ourselves to give in to the flesh and the world and the devil. We allow sin to reign in our bodies. Look, sin no longer, when we get saved, I'm going to say this as loud as I can this morning, sin no longer has any authority in our lives. I hope you realize that this morning. Why? Because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And we have new life. The temptations, yeah, they're going to come. And when we sin, and we will. Here's the key is when we refuse to hear and listen to the Holy Spirit is when we will sin. God's given us his word and God's given us his Holy Spirit. That's the gift that God has given to us. And we need to listen to the Holy Spirit of God. God is saying, now that you are in Christ, you are no longer under the dominion of sin. We have a way out. And the way out was called the cross of Jesus Christ. That's how the way out came. So the exchange, what is it? 
It's the putting off of the old and putting on of the new. It is not sinning because we are under grace, but it is serving God because we are under grace. So there is the exchange in the old life to put off the old and put on the new. There's the perspective that we need to understand that we were dead to sin, but now we are alive in Christ. But notice, secondly, this morning, God not only gives us the exchange of the new life, but he gives us the example of the new life. And I love it when God gives us something that's tangible, something that we can get a hold of. Look back in Romans 6 and verse number 3. Look what the Bible says. Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death, into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, the example that he gives here is this matter of baptism. I want you to notice the new union that we have with Christ. We are buried into Jesus. Baptism pictures that you and I are now in Christ. We're united with him. You see this picture here. Does this look familiar, Brother Roman? This is actually the Jordan River in the Holy Land, and I had the privilege of baptizing some of our members in the Jordan River where they believe John baptized and this was one of our members, Brother Roman, who allowed me to get him wet that morning. We had a great time there. But this is what baptism is, water baptism, scriptural baptism. It is a going under the water and coming up out of the water. It's a picture. Now, we understand, listen, when Brother Roman got baptized and others got baptized, and some right here in our church have been baptized in the baptismal pool, when you get baptized, the only thing that happens to you is you get wet. There's no saving power in that water. But understand the picture that God gives to us. I want you to think about the new union that we have with Christ. The baptism is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When people are baptized, they are saying publicly, here's what they're saying, that I am identifying with Jesus Christ. Well, what are you identifying with? The person and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, listen, there are many people that say, well, look, I was baptized as a baby. You didn't know what happened when you were a baby. The only thing that happened was they sprinkled some water on your head and you started screaming. You didn't understand. But see, that's why the Bible helps us understand salvation comes before baptism. Once a person comes to know that they are a sinner and that Christ died for their sins, and by faith they trust him as their savior, they now have a new union with Christ, and what they're doing when they're getting baptized is it is a public declaration of what's taken place on the inside. This new union is what we're talking about. It's kind of like this wedding ring right here, if I can get it off. Yesterday was 34 years. 34 years. Mrs. Keeley has put up with this preacher. That's not a good time to say amen. And for 34 years, we've been married. But this ring is just a picture. See, I took the ring off this morning. By the way, it's a miracle that I can get the ring off. 
But I got the ring off, and it actually still looks like I got a ring on my finger, even with the ring off. Am I still married? Yes. Yeah, because this is just a picture that when somebody sees that ring, that they would think, well, he's married. And that's what we see is that this union with Christ that we are buried into Jesus, like the wedding ring is a symbol, baptism is also a symbol that Jesus died, that he was buried for me, that Jesus rose for me, and guess what? Now I am in him. I am dead to the old, alive to the new. I now have a new union with him. Are you with me this morning? Now, as Paul's writing here, he, he gives us this example of the new life. And it begins with a new union with Christ. But in verse 4, he talks about a new life with Christ. The word newness that he uses is a word talking about a new state of life, a new kind of life. Do you remember if you're here this morning and you're saved? Do you remember what it was like before you got saved? Have you forgotten that? Now, if you're like me, you'd like to forget some of that. But I'll tell you this, I don't go back and, and relish and want to go back to those days. But boy, it always helps me to understand how thankful and grateful I should be for the grace of God that saved me out of that mess. I think to myself, where would I be today if it was not for the grace of God? And I think as Paul's writing here, he's talking about this new life, this newness, this new state of life, a new kind of life. We are alive to a new nature through Christ's risen life. We now have a renewed life in Christ Jesus. Listen, don't go back in your life as a Christian. Go forward as a child of God. When you were born again, you did not add this new nature to the old. What you did was you exchanged it out with the old and with the new. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians. We used this verse last Sunday. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, how many things are become new? See, it may not be, and, and look, I understand for some people this is a difficult one. It may not be as instantaneous as we want it to be. In other words, I, I wish that as a Christian, I didn't have to battle the flesh after I got saved. Maybe you're a better person than I am. But I find day in and day out that I still struggle. And I find encouragement in the word of God. Look, not so that I can, that I can abuse grace and try to do what I want or go back whenever I want to the old life and then come back to the new life. No, 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 that I can be encouraged that others before me also had this battle, also had this struggle, but here's the key, they were victorious in Christ. Look in your notes there in Romans chapter 7, one of the greatest Christians that ever walked on the earth, the Apostle Paul writes, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What he's describing here, listen, we need to, we need to get a hold of this morning that the new nature in Christ is one that is victorious 
that it is only victorious when, like Paul did, when we reckon ourselves dead unto sin. That's what we have to do is realize that we are no longer serving sin, that we are dead unto sin. I, I thought about a great illustration. I read this account about an old farmer. He was uh, on the farm all of his life, and one, one day he had an opportunity to go into the big city. So he traveled with his family. They visited New York City, and they, they were just they were amazed with the skyscrapers and they saw all these taxi cabs running up and down the streets of New York and all the lights that were there. He and his wife, they were walking into this hotel lobby. And as they go into the lobby, they had their children there with them. And his wife, she for some reason saw something that attracted her. And she went off into, into a, a little side of the lobby. And he was standing there with his children. He had two boys. And as he was standing there with his boys... He noticed something. He saw these doors ahead of him, these huge stainless steel doors. He saw those doors there, and he, he saw these, these doors. Uh, they opened up, and as the doors opened up, he saw this, this lady walk through these doors. She was kind of disheveled and barely had uh, you know, herself together, and she went in there, and, and the doors closed behind her. And as the doors closed behind her, they stood there, and they watched. This was back in the day. They watched the arrow kind of go on the arc, and it just went up higher and higher on the numbers, went way up there. And then it stopped. And then they saw the arrow start to move again, and the arrow start to come back this way. And then it stopped back on the G. And the doors opened. When these two big stainless steel doors opened, there was a young, beautiful, well-kept woman that walked out of those doors. That old farmer saw that woman. He looked over at his sons, and he said, Quick, boys, get your mother. we got to run her through there for just a minute. Yeah. And look, I know that in our lives, when we get saved, that it's not always an instant change. If you're like me, look, we would love it if it would change instantly, when God's word says old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new, that is instantaneous. Yes, that is true in our hearts. That has taken place. But as we look at the Christian life, there is a process of growth in our lives. There is something that we have to understand about this matter known as sanctification. While we are not instantly perfect as we grow and we reckon ourselves dead unto sin, we have new life with Jesus Christ. See, people see the changes because as we're making those changes by the Lord's help, they don't, they, they don't see the old nature, the old person. They begin to see some of the new life, some of the new changes in us. See, there is the exchange of the new life, but then he gives us the example, and that is we have, now have a new union with Christ, and we have a new life in Christ. But then notice thirdly this morning from Romans 6, the expectation of new life. I, if you're like me, I thought to myself as I was looking at the passage, okay, so now that I am saved, and he's given me this example about my new life and the new union that I have with Christ. What are some things that I can expect in my life as a Christian? I think that's a fair thing to think about this new life that we have once we have it. What can we expect? Well, Paul gives here in this passage 
three things that we can expect from the new life. Notice the first one in verse 5. The Bible says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So notice the first thing that he says here is that we can expect growth. Now I want you to listen very carefully because notice the verse here again, verse 5, for if. Notice the word if. That means this morning if you're saved, and the Bible uses the word here, planted. If we're saved in Christ by the Spirit of God, we should expect to grow spiritually. See, somebody that's not saved is not going to grow because they're not in Christ. This just makes complete sense this morning. The natural man doesn't want to know what the Bible has to say. The natural man doesn't want to know what God has for his life. But a saved person, they should expect growth. They should be curious about what the Bible has to say. They should want to grow. The reason that we should expect growth is because we have been planted together with Christ. You ever plant something? You know, sometimes you get around some people and you see whether it's at their house or wherever it's at, they, they just have a, a knack for growing things. They call that a what kind of thumb? Green thumb. Now, listen, I'm going to say this in all niceness this morning. I love my wife, 34 years. But she knows this is as true as I do, and I'm no better at it. But if you ever want to successfully have a plant die, give it to my wife. She just, uh, she's got this knack for just, you know, it's just the end. It's a kamikaze kind of thing when it comes to plants with her. People have tried to give her this and tried to give her that, and they'll say, oh, look, you don't have to do anything with this. And my wife does nothing with it, and it doesn't last, you know. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. When you think about what the Bible says here in verse number 5, when we get saved, listen to what Paul says. He's writing under inspiration. He says, we have been planted together with who? With Christ. So look, he's talking here about there should be this growth. Why? Because we are now in Christ. The seed in salvation is the incorruptible word of God. Luke 8, 11, the seed is the word of God. Peter says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Listen, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, when you heard God's word, when you heard the truth, you accepted that truth. God showed you your need of salvation. We are born again by the word of God. If you have come to Jesus by faith, you have been planted together, then there will be growth, and that growth will not be like, maybe, look, I, I know sometimes I talk to couples, and I, I know people that are friends, and, and maybe one of them might grow at a, at, a, at a quicker rate than the other one might grow. You're not in a race against your spouse as far as this matter of growing in Christ. The whole goal is that we need to be growing each one of us, that we are planted together with Christ. Look in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Paul writes, nevertheless, I live, not yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul didn't want his old life. Paul didn't want his old ways. What Paul wanted was Jesus' life. Now, why? Because Jesus' life is the resurrected life, as the Bible says. Listen, every one of us should be thankful today that we serve a risen Savior and that that life that we now have is a resurrected life because of what Jesus did. Look, the hope that we have is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look what Peter writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us Again, unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to the, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. One of the early explorers of South America's ocean waters, his name was Bartholomew Diaz. He went around a cape on a stormy sea his ship on that day was threatened to go to pieces. And so he called that cape that he went around with his ship, he called it the Cape of Storms. But years later, Vasco da Gama came and he changed the name of that cape to the Cape of Good Hope. Because when da Gama went around that, ahead of him, all he saw was the jewels and the treasures of India. And you can call in this life a life of storms if you want. And yes, certainly we're going to have things that we're going to face. We're going to have situations we're going to go through. We're going to have trials that we're going to face. You can call this a life of storms if you wish. But if you, like Dagama, can see the glorious redemption of eternity ahead of you, you can call it what only we can call it in Christ, and that is a new life it is a life of good hope. How many of you know that you have hope today because of Jesus? Amen. See, everyone that is planted with Christ will grow with Christ. One day we'll take that journey. You looking forward to that day? To be with him. See, look, what is the expectation of the new life? You can expect to grow. Why? Because you've been planted together in Christ. But what's the second thing we can expect? Well, we can expect victory. Look back in verse number 6 of chapter 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be, what's that next word? Destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve what? Sin. See, he says the old man. We talked about this last week. What is the old man? It's the old fleshly way. It's the old nature before Christ. But I love what he says here. It was defeated by the Lord Jesus. We're freed from the old sin nature. Where? At the cross of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Folks, it was in the power of the cross that the body of sin is, was redeemed inoperable. But the Bible says in Colossians 3, in verse number 9, it says that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. We are free from the sin nature. It, it is a tragedy. Look, folks, I see this day in and day out. When a saved person continually turns back to the sin nature, when God has given us the keys to freedom, God has set us free by his son, Jesus Christ, 
There was an old Indian chief. He had two dogs that were always being pitted against each other. They were always fighting with each other, and people would come, and they watched them fight. And before they would fight, this old Indian chief, he would always pick one of them. He would say, well, this one's going to win. And then they, another day, he'd say, this one's going to win today. And, and this happened all the time, and the one that he picked was the one that won. And somebody asked him one day, they said, how do you know which one of those dogs is going to win? And he says, well, that's easy. He says, it's the one that I feed the most before they fight. Well, look, either today you're either feeding the flesh or you're feeding the spirit. You're either living according to the flesh or you're living according to the spirit. And the one that you're feeding the most is the one that's going to live, that's going to win out in your life. It is a true biblical principle. If you feed the old nature, the old nature will win. But if you're feeding the new nature, there will be victory in your life. You will be free to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 7, what the Bible says. It says, he that is dead is freed from sin. Let's say that. He that is dead is free. Now let's say it like you understand it. He that is dead is freed from sin. See, living the old life, that's not normal Christian living. Why? Because we have been freed from sin. God did not intend for us to get saved, listen, and go back to the old life. God never intended that. So God has told us, now that we have newness of life, there are some things that we can expect. One is we can expect to grow because we've been planted together with Christ. Secondly, we can expect this matter of victory because of what Jesus has done for us, that we are dead to sin. We've been freed from sin. So what's the third thing we can expect? Here it is in verse number eight. Look at it. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So what can we expect? Eternity. That's what we can expect. See, the new life in Christ today, Jesus is with those that have accepted him as Savior. Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see what the Bible is saying there? He's God saying, look, nothing will separate us from the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing in this world. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with who? With the Lord. See, those that are planted with Christ will be with the Lord for all of eternity. Sometimes we think, listen to this, we think that we are in the land of the living on our way to the land of the dying. But in reality, we are in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. Listen, this is going to be a wonderful thing someday. Our life will be made sight that our life has just begun in Christ, that we not only will have growth in this life, and yes, we will have victory, but we will have eternal life, and that eternal life comes through Jesus Christ our Lord. As you think about this new life this morning, we've talked about the exchange of it. Out with the old, in with the new. And we talked about the example that he's given to us 
this matter of baptism, how we have a new union in Christ. We have a new life with Christ. And then he says, look, here's some things that you can expect in our lives. We can expect growth. We can expect victory. We can expect eternity. But in order for us to have victory in our lives, in this new life in Christ, there are two things that we must understand, two words that the Bible gives to us. And the first of those words is the word received. It's a wonderful word. As we look at the Bible, we're talking here about receiving Christ as our Savior. When you study this passage here in Romans 6, he uses words that are synonymous. For instance, that we are buried with Christ. He also uses the word that I highlighted this morning, that we are planted with him. The question this morning is, have you received Christ as your Savior? The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means receiving the gift of God, which is eternal life, through Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 1, 12, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When you receive Christ, according to this passage this morning, we are planted together with Christ. You will grow in Christ. And it makes sense that now that we are planted with him and that we are growing with Christ, that our lives, if you are saved and you have received him as your savior, that your new life in Christ should be reflecting the Lord. Is your life telling others that you are a Christian? Your worth is based on your birth. If you have been born into the family of God, you don't identify with this world, you identify with him. Have you received him as your savior? And the second word this morning is, if you have received him, is the word reckon. Now there's a lot of, uh, of uh, country folk, uh, just simple people over the years that have used the word reckon before. Well, I reckon so. You ever get around somebody like that? This is a wonderful Bible word. And the word reckon is a, is a great word. Look what it says in Romans 6 in verse number 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the word reckon is an accounting term. It actually is a term that means to take this into account. It's an acknowledgement. It's a belief. See, a lot of you are saved this morning, but you haven't reckoned yourself indeed dead unto sin. See, you're still serving sin. You're still allowing sin into your life. You're still struggling with the, with the old nature, even though you are saved. And I challenge you this morning to make an acknowledgement to reckon your life dead unto sin. That every day you do an accounting, a reckoning before God. And say, I believe what the Bible says. And the Bible says that I have been buried with Christ in death. And that I'm raised in the likeness of his resurrection. I have victory over the old man. Help me today to live in the victory of the resurrection life. You think about 9-11. And I take you back to this picture. I want you to see this picture. Because certainly you remember in your mind, whether it was on that day or even this morning, some of those pictures that I showed you of the rubble, the wreckage of that day. Awful day in our nation's history. 
But I don't know if you've been to New York, but I wonder if you recognize that building right there in the middle, that tall building. Because that building is called the Freedom Tower. That building is there today that dominates the lower Manhattan skyline, the Freedom Tower. It stands today as a tribute of American resilience. It's a reminder of whatever devastation that we face like they did in New York on that day. That we can still come back. That we can be better than we were before at 1,776 feet tall. It stands to give permanent testimony that we refuse, listen to me this morning, that that building represents it for our people, our nation. But it also is a reminder for us to, that we refuse to identify with our past, with the horrors of our past, and we press forward past that failure. So many people are still living in the past. They're saved, and praise God they're saved but they're not living a victorious Christian life. They haven't reckoned themselves dead unto sin and alive unto God. And this morning I look at that building there on that picture and I think about myself. I know if you're like me, we all have a past. But because of Jesus, we now have newness of life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder this morning... If there's been an exchange in your life, do you have new life in Christ? Has there been a time, a moment, a place where you've put your faith in Christ? How many of you could raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor, there's been a time that I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I raised my hand this morning as an acknowledgement of that. Would you raise your hands this morning, hands all over the auditorium? I wonder this morning with your those hands, you can lower your hands. If there's someone here this morning that would be honest and say, Pastor, there's never been a time in my life that I've realized that I'm a sinner and that Christ died for my sin. And this morning, God's made that clear to me that I need Christ as my Savior. Would you slip your hand up this morning? Pastor, I'm not saved, and I want to I settle this. I want to make sure of this. Anyone at all? This morning, I wonder if there's someone that's struggling. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this. But I wonder this morning if there are Christians here today. You're saved, but you're still struggling. Because you haven't reckoned yourself dead unto sin. You haven't acknowledged it. Said God's word has told me that I am dead unto sin and alive unto Christ. I'm tired of struggling in my life as a Christian. I'm tired of always going back to the old life. I'm tired of it having its way. And today, I want to claim the victory in Jesus. Would you raise your hand this morning if that's you? I've been struggling in my life. I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? been struggling with some things in my life. Folks, can I tell you this morning, you can come to Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm tired of it. I'm reckoning myself today dead unto sin. Thank you for saving me years ago, but I'm tired of living that way. I want victory in my life today.